Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. The Kidley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, but Kidley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm. Today we're talking about the tight ends. Um, I went through, watched a bunch of football again, you know, like I do, and uh, looked through some stats too. So probably not much of a surprise that those are the two things I did, uh, but we're going to run through it. Honestly, there isn't all that much to say. Um... We're going to start by talking about Brady Russell because obviously that's like the the main part of the tight end position this season. And then we'll get into a little bit of like Matt Lynch and CJ Schmansky and those guys we saw last year. Uh, and then talk about uh, some of the younger guys who could be ready to step up this year. Um, again, though, there's a lot to say about Brady, but a lot of it has kind of been said. Um, with Matt Lynch and C.J. Schmansky and Nico Magri and Alec Pell and all those guys we saw last year, there isn't too much to say other than, you know, they, they filled their role. But we'll get into that. And then with the younger guys, you can talk about how excited we are to see them, but there really isn't too much to go off of. Um, so that's the plan for today. And uh, before we get into that, want to tell you guys a little bit more about the Colorado XOs. That's a rugby team in Colorado, play in Glendale, train in Glendale, use the same facilities as the U.S. national team. And the goal is to get guys from other sports to play rugby, get them onto that U.S. national team. So far in their first season, they got six guys into Major League Rugby. It's a pretty good number. Uh, so you can follow along with all that with DNVR Rugby, uh, whether it's the podcast, Twitter account, or on the website. Okay, so uh, like I said, I went back and watched uh, that whole UCLA game um, where Brady Russell played. It was the only time he played a full game. He got hurt on like the, I think it was like the fifth snap or something uh, the next week against Stanford. Um, I also cut up a bunch of videos from that. So there's going to be a story up on the tight ends on the website here pretty quick. Um, That will have every target that... uh, Brady Russell had in that game, plus a couple of other things too. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Should plug that as well. Um, but yeah, so after going through all that, again, we've said most of this. Brady took a big step forward in terms of what he can provide in offense. You know, he's always been a good blocker. He continued to be a good blocker. He also provided some other things. I think the most exciting part, he had uh, like a beautiful double move up that left sideline. Um, like kind of runs upfield, 
takes a step or two inside, cuts back to the sidelines, wide open for like a 20-something yard gain. Um, from there, there was another big one. It was on like kind of this, I called it like a fake bootleg. I wasn't really sure what you call it. Um, but basically, he's lined up on the left side, and the quarterback, Sam, he fakes the ball to the running back going to the left, takes a couple steps back to the right like it's going to be a bootleg, flips his head around, finds Brady on the left sideline in the end zone, hits him for a touchdown. Um, So it was like a little bit tricky, but for the most part, it was just, uh, I mean, it was was a good play by Brady in terms of what he did. Um, That sort of downfield receiving, not something we've seen from Colorado's tight ends in quite a while. I've said this over and over again, but uh, the last time that a Colorado tight end had as many yards as Brady did in that game. He had 77 yards on five catches with a touchdown. That was Nick Casa, 2012 against Washington State. So this obviously changes the offense. You know, there's other stuff he did um, leaking out into the flat that was really successful or could have been really successful. Um, But again, just being that kind of check down option that Colorado just hasn't really had from that position. Um so you have all that. Um, you also have his abilities in the screen game. Um, and we know how Darren Cheverini likes the screens, and I do too. You know, it's an easy way to kind of supplement the running game, um, especially when you're a team like Colorado. You're going to run the ball a lot. You're going to be going up the middle. Teams are going to load the box to try to stop it. Well, an easy way to beat that is to just have a quick little pass outside, um, let somebody get the ball and run upfield. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, Brady, like I said, got in on the screen game. It was actually, I think, his first touch of the game. Just a little screen. Um, takes a co- He's lined up on the right side, takes a couple steps to the right, lets the offensive lineman get downfield a little bit, cuts back to the left, catches the ball, gets upfield, picks up the first down. He didn't, like, use his blockers well or anything. Um, he actually kind of got out in front of them, but like I said, still pick up the first down. Plus, that was probably the first time that he's ever caught a screen pass in a game. Like going back, I mean, probably never happened at Colorado. Don't see many tight end screens in high school. Um, so yeah, I mean, do you expect him to be perfect at that aspect? No, probably could have done a little better. Uh, but they did run another screen to him later in the game, um, and this is when UCLA is kind of making a comeback. They needed to keep moving the ball, so they went back to a play that worked. And again, it's like Jarek motioning out of the backfield, uh, away from the play. And then you have the little screen pass, and it's the exact same thing. Breaks outside, breaks inside. And this time, he stayed like a little bit flatter, so he's behind his blockers, which is what you want. But Sam like looked to the left, even though Brady's on his right, and just kind of threw the ball away because there was pressure in his face, but that's kind of what happens on screen when all the offense linemen just like go downfield. And I don't know what was going through Sam's head, but it was an intentional grounding when it seemed like the screen was being set up the exact way you'd want it to. Um, and so that turns into like a third and 14 or something like that. What happens or no, that was wrong. The broadcast called it a third and 14. It was actually a third and 19, which made a lot more sense given the penalty. But um, on that one, Brady goes upfield, um, 
kind of sneaks in. It's like there's there's a linebacker in zone coverage. He goes brushes like the outside linebacker uh, as he goes upfield, cuts back behind the uh, linebacker and just gets inside him. I mean, just exactly how you draw it up. Don't tip him off where you're going. Just kind of go by him and then get behind him where he can't see you. There's space in the middle. Picks up a big third down. Um, so much to like about what Brady did in that game. And I think that that's why we're all so excited about him going into this season. You know, the question, I guess now there's two questions. The first one's health um, because he did have the injury. I think, what was it? It was an ankle injury that kept him out. He tried to play during the Alamo Bowl or the week leading up to the Alamo Bowl. Turned out he couldn't go. He actually, I don't think he played the spring game either. They were very cautious with him throughout that whole process. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, personally, I'm not too concerned about another injury, but I guess after seeing that, and I guess ankles are something you can kind of re-injure. So something to keep an eye on. And then the other thing is just like, well, is he that kind of receiver every game? You know, is it... Is, do, do you expect him to go for 70 yards? And if, if you do that, then all of a sudden you're talking about him as like an NFL prospect. Those are really good receiving numbers for a tight end. Or is he more in that 30 to 40 range with a couple of good plays? Um, some of that obviously depends on how the offense is run, you know, who the quarterback is, all that kind of stuff. Um, but to me, you know, everything that he did in that game seems kind of replicable. And... I personally am very high on him. I think the goal for him should be to be an all-conference tight end, um, whether that's first team or second team. You know, there's a couple good ones right now, so first team is going to be really tough. He provides so many different things. You can use him so many different ways. You can line him up in the backfield. You can put him at fullback. I, I think that it is possible, although... I think a better goal, a better target is probably just to get on either of those teams um, considering how competitive it's going to be. Um, so I think that's most of my Brady Russell thoughts. I want to see more screens. I want to see them use him as a downfield threat, um, use him as a blocker, all that kind of stuff. Again, nothing really revolutionary in there, anything that we haven't heard before. Um, yeah. I guess let, let's knock out a quick break here and then we can move along with some of this other stuff. Um, so, Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Um, really good beers, really good seltzers. I haven't had as many recently since I've been up in Montana. They're a little bit tougher to find. Um, but I am excited once I get back there to have more of those. Um, really can't go wrong. Um, they have uh, a bunch of really good food down at the farmhouse. If you haven't been out there, definitely check that out. It's a really cool spot, especially in the summer. Um, yeah, uh, down in Littleton, uh, use the code DMVR. If you're ordering to go say it over the phone and they'll give you five bucks off. Great deal. 1% of profits going to the, uh, National Parks Conservation Association this summer, which is also cool. So uh, definitely support them because they support us. Also, if you are looking for somewhere to work, there's a really awesome opportunity. Um, ball, as in like 
they they make every can as in like ball arena all that kind of stuff they're hiring for their facilities out in golden um they they're making like aluminum cans and i guess probably some other stuff too um but they're like the biggest i think the biggest in the world they make 101 billion a year just a crazy number and uh again they're hiring they've got some cool jobs you should definitely check that out um they're big on diversity inclusion um all of that kind of stuff um they uh have been like noticed by the human rights campaign um for their culture of belonging which is a cool thing so it's not just like words they have like stuff that backs that up uh, their corporate equ- or equality index has a score of 100 percent um so regardless of your background any of that kind of stuff ball is a really great place to work and like i said they're hiring right here in golden which is super convenient um it's a sustainable material obviously aluminum 75 percent of it is still in circulation today that's ever been made um yeah uh, definitely a, a great place to check out if you're looking for a job. Um, you can text GOLDEN to 77222, get linked to the open positions. Um, you can also just go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. Uh, again, that's jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN, or just simply text GOLDEN to 77222. All right, um, back into some of these other tight ends. You know, I think what's most interesting in this conversation is, like, how does the number two tight end position work? Um, What is the goal there? Because I think Matt Lynch last year, he was a really good tight end, too. Um, You you throw him in there, he's a good blocker. I think he only caught one or two balls all season. It's like seven total yards, something like that. Didn't provide much as a receiver. But a lot of the time, especially in college football, when you're going after a second tight end, what you want is somebody who obviously is going in there with Brady Russell in this circumstance. If you have tight two tight ends in the game, you're probably running the football. And so for that reason, I think that Matt Lynch is going to be involved in this offense. Um, and another reason to think that is because the Buffs gave him a scholarship this spring, which is certainly a good sign in terms of what they think of him. So, I do think that Matt Lynch continues to be involved. I think that he's a steady hand. And for him, the question is, what is he this season? Is he still what we saw before, um, a, you know, a, a tight end who can get the job done doing the dirty work? Or can he add just a little bit more to his game and provide a little bit more as a receiving threat? And that could kind of, I mean, it would make the offense a whole lot more dynamic. If you have him and Brady Russell out there with Jarek in the backfield, you got two receivers out there. If you have those two receiving threats in the inside, it changes things versus just having Brady in there. Um, and so that's going to be kind of the big challenge for him. I think there's reason to believe that he'll be able to do that this year. Um, you know, at the same time, he's been playing college football for a long time. Maybe he is what he is at this point. But also, you know, at UCLA, he's played quarterback for three years, played a season at tight end before transferring to Boulder. Um, and in Boulder, he uh, played tight end, obviously, didn't get any spring ball, didn't get much of a fall camp. And so, you know, is he is he 
somebody who hasn't had enough reps to be everything that he can be. And also, does he maybe not, or last year did he not get used to his full abilities because he was still learning the offense because he didn't get all that many reps. So, because of those reasons, it is very possible that Matt Lynch adds more to his game. And I think it's probably pretty safe to assume that he will add more to his game and be a better football player this year. But how much so? And and what exactly is different about him as he comes back for a second senior season? Um, regardless, like I said, I do think that he factors in somehow. But, you know, if he kind of is what he was last year, how much he factors in could be determined more by what other players do next year. Um, you know, we saw a lot of C.J. Schmansky. Honestly, we, I, th- I was looking through the numbers. We actually saw more of C.J. Schmansky than we did of Matt Lynch. M- Matt missed a couple games with the injury. I think C.J. missed one game with an injury. Um, it was a pretty close split, so it probably would have been more Matt Lynch than C.J. Schmansky if Lynch had been healthy all year or just as healthy as C.J. was. Um, but C.J. was out there a lot. Um, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. But uh, that San Diego State game, the first full game without Brady Russell, they put C.J. Schmansky in the Brady Russell role. And Matt Lynch went down in that same game as Brady. And so that's probably part of the reason why. Um, but we talked about it at the time. You know, they're calling screen passes for C.J. Schmansky. There's a little tunnel screen to a receiver. Uh, but it was a fake with C.J. Schmansky kind of going out there, faking like he's blocking them, running up the sideline. The results for both of those plays were not all that great. But, you know, he now has that experience under his belt. And the fact that they called those plays in the first place shows what they think of C.J. Schmansky. Um, I guess C.J. still a walk-on, uh, didn't get the scholarship like Matt Lynch did. So, that also says something. Um, but, C.J., another guy who can contribute for, for, or, or at that spot, um... And I guess that's kind of the biggest takeaway from last year is that without Brady Russell, you know this year that you at least have some options, specifically guys you like better as that second tight end, just because they are more that blocking type. Um, but you've given reps to Matt Lynch. You've given reps to CJ Schmansky. Uh, same thing with Nico Magri, who got out there. Um, same thing with uh, Alec Pell, who got a couple snaps here and there. Neither of those two got any targets but they were at least out there a little bit. And that bodes well for them going forward. Um, depth this year really shouldn't be a problem just because, like I said, you have a bunch of guys who've taken snaps now. Even if they aren't you know, game breakers, they at least have a little bit of experience. And from there, there's a bunch of guys who I think you can get really excited about. Um, you know, Caleb Fourier. One of the top tight end recruits a couple years ago. Um, He didn't play last year. He had some injury stuff early in the year. I can't remember if it kept him out the whole year, but he definitely didn't play all year. And that's probably why either that or it just set him back and he wasn't able to go on the field, whatever. Um, Eric Olson, he's a freshman this year. He could be ready to go. Um, Both those guys you look at and they were... I mean, first of all, very good recruits, um, highly rated guys, but also 
they are more of the receiver type. And I don't even know if that's fair. I think that looking ahead, you look at a guy like Caleb Fourier and say, yeah, he should be able to be a good blocker too. But early in the career, I think it's easier to be a productive receiver than it is to be a productive blocker just because, you know, you have to put on a little bit more strength to go up against defensive linemen, all that kind of stuff. And that makes them fit into this offense pretty well. When you have a Matt Lynch and C.J. Schmansky, those guys who are more of the blocker type, when you can throw out uh, Caleb Fourier or Eric Olson, whoever looks better in the fall, to be the receiving guy, well then, again, it just gives you options. And I think that in particular, you'd like to see those guys on the field when you've got Brady Russell in the backfield. You know, if Brady lines up almost as a fullback and you probably got him like split out to the side, maybe it's even like the pistol. You can leave him in to protect. He can run those underneath routes. Then you've got these big guys who can line up at tight end, line up in the slot, get downfield and use those mismatches. And again, if either of them are like plus blockers this year, then you're even more excited. Um, I said earlier that when you have a second tight end, what you want him to be good at is blocking. And for the most part, that's true. But there's a lot that you can do if they're good receivers. Um, you know, you can split them out into the slot if you're going up against a heavy box. You know, say you go out there and run Brady Russell and Caleb Fourier at tight end. Well, if the defense is matching how heavy you are, you could split both of those guys out and make it almost look like a four-wide set. And you feel good about those receiving match- matchups with tight ends on them. You know, if you have multiple tight ends, there's a lot that you can do with it. Um, Obviously, like, the best example in football history is, like, Rob Gronkowski and uh, Aaron Hernandez, the different things that the Patriots could do. And people forget, you know, that was a good rushing offense on top of having those weapons inside. Um, I think that this is one of the positions I'm probably most excited to watch this year. I think that... Despite that, sometimes even I can like forget about it just because it will be a bit of a shift in terms of what we've seen from this offense in the past. You know, when we talk about the offense, I think it's easy to talk about, you know, Jarek Broussard and the way they run the ball and all those receivers. But then you remember that there's this whole other aspect of the game that just hasn't really existed for Colorado, you know, maybe since Nick Casa, this receiving tight end, and on top of that, pot- potential for multiple good receiving tight ends. And that just changes what you can do on offense, and I think it fits what Carl Durrell wants to do a lot better. Again, Darren Cheverini probably has, definitely has more say over this offense than Carl does. At the same time, like, Carl could change that whenever he wants. But... That Carl Durrell offense, that West Coast offense, it is kind of tight end reliant. And especially when you factor in that you have Jarek Broussard, you want to run the ball a lot. You want to put tight ends out there. If you have tight ends who can get open and make plays in the passing game, that offense is going to be scary. Um, And again, is Eric Olson ready this year? I don't know. Is Caleb Fourier, who got here a, a year earlier, but wasn't quite as highly rated as a recruit, still like well-regarded, but not quite as highly rated as a recruit. Is he ready? I mean, absolutely could be. Um, and then there's other guys too, you know, Luis Passarello. He would have probably played quite a bit last year. Um, he probably, 
him or Matt Lynch probably would have been the number two. And I'd probably give the edge to Matt. Um, but he, at one point, would have, at one point, I think he would have been the only scholarship tight end active if he had been healthy. Um, or I guess he had like an early season injury and he wasn't ready. So I guess, no, that was, oh, I was thinking Jared Poplowski. Those two long P-name tight ends. But yeah, Jared Poplowski, he, uh, if he didn't have the ACL, he probably would have been competing with Matt Lynch for that number two job. Um, while Louis Passarello, he's just another talented young guy who, you know, maybe not seen quite like Eric Olson or Caleb Fourier, but does that really matter? Sometimes it doesn't. Um, so with all this young talent that's kind of coming through that position, there's just a lot that Colorado could do with it. Um, and even if none of those guys, none of those young guys really pop this year, at the very least, you have Matt Lynch, you've got experience for C.J. Schmansky and Nico Magri, um, Alec Pell. You're going to be just fine there, at the very least with the potential to be really good. And you know what? Even combining Matt Lynch and Brady Russell, I mean, there aren't many tight end duos in the Pac-12 that you take over that. Now, Brady Russell is doing a lot of the heavy lifting. But, again, that's kind of the worst-case scenario, and we'll knock on wood because, I guess, injuries could happen. Um, but, I don't know. I think that that's kind of when we talk about what this offense will look like this year, and I think it will look really different. It has to without Sam. You know, you're not running as many quarterback keepers on third and four. When you get down to the goal line, you're probably not just pounding the ball forward with the quarterback. Maybe if it's Brendan Lewis, you still see some of that, but he's more of like a speed runner anyway. So you're absolutely getting changes, and maybe the tight end position and the different ways you can use a tight end is going to be the the spot we should be looking at for changes. So during camp this year, I mean, what you want to hear, first of all, is that everybody's healthy, especially Brady Russell. From there, if you hear good things about those two young guys, that's a reason to get really excited. You know, you look through this whole roster and say, which young players could really step up and change this team? You know, Ashad Clayton makes that list even though it's tough to believe he could be too much of an upgrade over Jared Broussard and Alex Fontenot, even if things go perfectly for him. Um, you look at probably Brendan Rice up next and say he could absolutely be a game changer. Uh, defensively, uh, Mark Perry, if he takes another step, that could change a bunch of things for Colorado. Um, Eric Olson, Caleb Fourier, right up there. Right up there. Um, and... It's exciting. Just a couple more names that you really want to hear good things about because it could really change just how much this offense could do this year. You know, again, at the very least, this is an average Pac-12 offense. You feed Jarek 30 times a game, it's tough to believe that you could be anything but an average Pac-12 offense. You start being able to spread the ball around a little bit more, that's where you can kind of climb from there. Um, so yeah, um, again, a little bit shorter podcast just because there isn't too much to talk about um but excited to see what these guys can do and uh excited for football season which is just around the corner